So I'm very, very grateful to be here. Um, uh, I really appreciate everything that Drew said in his prayer. Uh, I do want you to know uh, that definitely for Tasha and I um, and uh, from the, the elders that are in Potomac Valley, and I know all of us uh, from outside of Charlottesville, uh, how much we love you deeply and we've been praying for you all uh, earnestly. Uh, the whole church uh, in Potomac Valley, we all gathered together in prayer for you. Uh, I know this has been a really, really difficult uh, past several days. Um, as, uh, you know, we really see uh, just incredible uh, pain and hurt uh, that's happened as a result of all the events of last weekend. Um, I know today uh, for Heather's family, it was a very difficult day as they had the funeral today, from what I understand for, for Heather. And, uh, and I, I know this is a very difficult time uh, to come to you, uh, but I want you to know that uh, as we dive into God's word, that uh, though this is a very difficult time in the world, uh, it's only served for me to deepen my resolve about following Jesus. And I pray deepens your resolve about following Jesus and speaking to issues as they are, not, not as we hope them to be, but as they are, and really bringing uh, the truth of God's word into everything that we do. I want to invite you to turn over to the book of Jonah. Uh, I will say I am personally just incredibly uh, grateful for all of you, very proud of your faith and your faithfulness in Christ Jesus, very proud uh, in every way as a brother and as a friend and as a partner in the gospel of Drew and Jenny and just the way that they uh, lead the church here and love the church here and care about all of you uh, and care about this city and care about our state and uh, our country and the world. In the book of Jonah, we meet uh, an incredibly uh, successful prophet, Jonah, who was uh, given two messages. Uh, one was a message to Israel, uh, which uh, led to quite a bit of prosperity. Israel was going through a time of incredible prosperity at that point, And they were um, in direct competition with the Assyrians, uh, and uh, who had been very, who treated Israel um, a, a generation or two before incredibly violently. Uh, there was a lot of animosity between Israel and Assyria. Um, and, uh, and Israel was prospering. And then God gave Jonah a message to the people of Assyria. He said, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, Go to the great city Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and found a ship uh, bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went on board and sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now the book of Jonah is, is quite a, an interesting read, to say the least. And as the kids are having their children's class, um, I, I, I know many of us have read the book of Jonah before. The book of Jonah is not a fictional tale. Uh, this is actually a fact. If God wants to make a fish big enough that you can live in it for three days and have enough oxygen, God can do that. And if you need evidence of that, look at your body and how it works. I mean, God can do whatever he wants to do. And so, um, but Jonah uh, was a prophet that was called to preach prosperity for Israel and destruction for Nineveh. And he did not want to do what God had told him to do. And 
as we stand here, as you sit there and I stand here and we talk as a family tonight, you know, um, Drew asked me, you know, what would we be discussing today? And we're really having a family discussion. I want to be really clear about a couple of things. Uh, first off, um, the actions and the position of white supremacy is wrong. It's evil. It stands in opposition to God. It's not wrong because we have an elevated view or an enlightened view on things. It's wrong because everything God created is good. And whether you're black, you're white, you're Latino, you're, you're Asian, you're man, you're woman, whether you have a disability or not, everything God created is good. And none of us are superior to each other or inferior to each other. And so we've got to recognize that that ideology is not connected with God. It's actually in opposition to God. Now, how we respond to that is the real question. Because we can be frustrated, we can be angry, we can run away from what God is calling us to do. Or we can embrace what God is calling us to do. In the world that we live in, there has been and there is a history of racial injustice, animosity. That's a part of America's history. We can't escape that. That's not going anywhere. We have to deal with that. How do we deal with that though? How do we make sense of these things? The position that most Christians have taken is the same position that Jonah took. We run as far away as these issues as we can. And just so you know, if you were to go into the ancient world and you chart a path from Joppa to Tarshish, it's as far away as you can get. It's the furthest port away. God said, I want you to go preach. And he's like, I'll go the other way and run away from what God is calling us to do. And that's what Jonah did. But we can't do that as a church. Dealing with these issues are painful. But what God's called us to do through his work and through the Holy Spirit will be transformative and is transformative. For me, I grew up, my dad is is black and from Jamaica. My mom is white and uh, from uh, Illinois. My grandfather uh, moved here from Poland and served in World War II. Uh, My other grandfather was a police officer in Jamaica and a butcher and a farmer. And a lot of other things, whatever he could do to make money. William Archer the first did that. And uh, my, my mother, uh, after my dad died, my mother remarried. My two younger sisters, um, my, the two sisters right after me, are, they're both black. My youngest brother and sister, who are both adults, they're white. Uh, my mother gave birth to her oldest son named William, who is black, as in me. Um, And her youngest son, who my stepdad's name was William, so my younger brother's name is William, who's white and blonde and lives in D.C. So race is just a part of my life. And it's very clear to me that my mom would spank black kids just as much as white kids and be love black kids just as much as white kids because that's my mom that's just what it is now my mom actually didn't spank because a whole other another different things my dad always spanked my mom didn't it's a whole other conversation but uh and i would argue that's had some impact on my brother and positive impact on me but don't worry about that <laughs> since we're talking about spanking but i just want to get it in there now he, he's a grown-up he's actually about to have his first child and, um, and my nephew, 
uh, is going to be Irish, Polish, and Russian. And my baby, my, uh, my sister-in-law works for Russia today, so all this Russia stuff is quite interesting for me and my family. And, uh, and so um, here's the thing. We can't run away from these issues. But how we deal with them really matters. The reason why I wanted to come is for two distinct reasons. One is I wanted you to know that you're not alone in this fight as you seek to be the church of Jesus Christ in this community. We're in this together. Not just me and my family, not just the elders, not just Potomac Valley. We're all connected to what's going on in the world. And what you're going through is difficult and we're not just here when the difficult times come. We're here with you to the end of the line. I'm not Captain America, more like Bucky, but I'm just telling you, we're, we're here with you the whole way through. We're in this fight together. But the second reason why I wanted to talk to you is because I want us to see that Christians, people that believe in Christ, do struggle in a very real way with how to make sense of what's going on in the world and the things that go on in their hearts. And they struggle with prejudice. Jonah was prejudiced. He did not want to go because he did not like the Assyrians. And, you know, in the short time I've been walking with Jesus, I've been a Christian for 24 years. I've had conversations with brothers and sisters that have struggled with these issues of race. Black, white, Latino. I've had brothers uh, that have come and talked to me and said they have a difficult time with the idea that I could be their minister because I'm black. And they just didn't grow up in a culture where they could see me as an equal. And I'm grateful that I was safe enough that we could have that conversation and really work through that. Yeah. There are real issues that people feel. I, I will tell you, I don't have any opinions to offer in terms of what should happen with, with monuments. I think the good people here in Charlottesville can, as citizens, you can figure that out. And we'll figure out what we do with monuments in Woodbridge where I live. And this is not a com conversation about monuments. This is a conversation about what do we do in the world as it is? Not the world as we want it to be. Jonah's response was, run away. Let's continue reading on. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, lower G. They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, but Jonah had gone uh, below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep and the captain went to him and said how can you sleep get up and call on your God lower G maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish then the sailors said to each other come let us cast lots to see who's responsible for this calamity and they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah so they asked him, tell us, who's responsible for bringing all this trouble on us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, I'm a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, capital L, the God of heaven, who's made the sea and the land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? And they knew he was running from the Lord because he'd already told them. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So he asked them, what shall we do to make the sea calm down uh, for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Baptize me. That'll solve it. 
And don't baptize people just for the campus students. Just don't run by lakes and just throw people in. There's not a way of baptizing them. But he said, throw me into the sea. He wanted to die. I don't know what he was thinking. He's like, just, just throw me to God then. And it'll calm down. I know it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. He didn't know how to respond. But instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not. And the sea grew wilder than before. And they cried to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men were great, greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I want to put before you today that the first thing we have to do is not run away from this issue, but wake up. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. That's what Ephesians chapter 5 says. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 8, all of us, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the, the, the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything... Exposed by the light becomes visible, for it's the light that makes everything visible. This is why it says, Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Heard about Bobby's message this past Sunday. As he preached about humility, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, and facing the world as it is. Brothers and sisters, here's the thing. The world did not become evil this weekend. And the, e the world will be evil next weekend. And the weekends that follow, we've got to be wise about the way we live in the world. What do we mean, wise? Wisdom is the ability to take knowledge and know how to use it properly. You know who God is. We have to share Christ with our neighbors. And let me just be plain. This is not a, a way of saying, all right, let's pivot out of this difficult situation to now let's crank the ministry. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, there's real darkness in the world. There's real evil and brokenness in the world. And it's not black or white or Latino or Asian. It's just evil that's in the world. We have to make the most of every opportunity. There's a great opportunity in Charlottesville to have conversations about why you follow Jesus and how this community of believers is not just physically diverse, but we love each other deeply. Amen. We pull people in. We deal with difficult issues. We're struggling through what happens. We don't have all the solutions, but we have Christ and we're finding peace from God in our hearts. It's a great opportunity to reach out to people on campus that are student leaders on all these divergent different groups and have conversations with them about not just rallying about injustice,
but truly bringing justice by us coming together in righteousness and peace. Amen. Uniting the righteous and not being united around unrighteousness. Bringing people together instead of tearing people apart. Now these are easy things to say, but to do them means that we have to run towards God and not run away from Him. Jonah found himself in the belly of a fish. Those three days and three nights gave him time to pause. I pray that the past three days and three nights have given you some time to pause and to recognize the world that we live in and how we must respond to it. Jonah chapter 2. In the belly of the fish, Jonah cries out in prayer to God. And in verse 8 of that chapter, it reads, Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I vowed I'll make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. I want you to remember, all of us in here, that made a decision that Jesus is Lord of our lives. Remember the pledge you made. You said, if no one else follows Jesus, I will. If no one else goes the course, I will. I'm going to stand up for what's right in the world. We've got to follow that vow. Even when it hurts. Now my kids grew up not knowing their great-grandfather. Their great-grandfather... Tasha's grandfather was murdered in Alabama because of racial injustice. Tasha's dad was the youngest of 11 children, never got to see his dad. And it shaped his life as a young man. And he made many bad decisions as a result of that that hurt Tasha and her mother. Decisions that he's repented of, decisions that he's tackled, but decisions that hurt him nonetheless. I'm so proud of my, my father-in-law. He's an honorable and righteous man. He's, he's, he's not yet a disciple of Jesus, but he's really made such incredible progress, even though he had to deal with the pain of that injustice. I, I'm not talking about issues of race and injustice as an intellectual discourse. We're not in a college campus right here. I know some of y'all are in college. This is not theory. This is practice. And how we deal with life is not theory. We're not theorizing about this. In practice, we've got to love each other. In practice, we've got to let go of worthless idols. For a long time, many of us in our communities, and many of us even among believers, have held on to animosity. And that animosity does not simply reside in the hearts of those who are white supremacists. That animosity resides in many hearts. It really does. And I'm not, I just want to be careful, as I said the word many. I'm not saying there are many sides to this issue. There's just just one side. And it's God's side. Because we're all God's children. And as God's children, we've got to realize that there's a problem in the hearts of men. How do we respond? Jonah chapter 3. Finally, Jonah does what he's called to do. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city, Nineveh. Proclaim... To it, the message I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a great, was a very important city. And a visit there required three days. Here's what he did. On the first day, he started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And the Ninevites, evil Ninevites, these were people that skinned people alive when they conquered them. These were... 
horrible, horrible, horrible people. They had opposed God's people. They were in direct competition with the people of God. Both world powers were tackling each other. These were the people no one would expect to repent. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the, great, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Then the word of the Lord reached, when the word of the Lord reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, sat down in the dust, and issued a proclamation in Nineveh by the degree of the king and the nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently to God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet repent, relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. I've never in my life heard of an animal fast. I don't know how you would do that if you had a dog. I got a dog named Dory. I don't know. No, no water. Not just no food, no water. Now, I don't know how the animals survive for 40 days and 40 nights. And I don't know how you manage. If any of you, I know there are a couple of you that work on farms. You've, you, you understand this. I, was, I, I spent a good part of my life in Jamaica working on a farm. I, I've raised you know, goats and cows and chickens. I don't know how you stop a cow from eating grass. But no cow is going to have grass for 40 days. And no, 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 no sheep, no lamb, no goat. Nobody's eating. Fido, no, nobody eats. But they were so desperate, so radical, that they were like, look, we just got to get it right. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Let me be clear. The Bible outlines clear destruction for the entire world. Our message, the message of the gospel, is that everyone needs to accept the lordship of Jesus before the real day of wrath that's coming on the world and the real day of triumph for all those who have Jesus as Lord. We offer hope and love, but our message also includes judgment. Are we ready to be this radical? At UVA... Are we going to talk about this and theorize about this and stay to our sides? Well, you know, I'm a, this is not about being a Democrat or a Republican, a Libertarian or Independent. This is just about being a human being and loving each other. And look, let's just be very, very plain. I want to be very plain about this. I have many close friends that are Republicans and are Democrats. Personally, I happen to be an Independent. I'm an actual Independent, like really, like I studied political science in school, I'm like a real deal independent. I disagree strongly with both sides for lots of reasons and enjoy my conversations with Drew about it. So, so I'm just telling you, I didn't just become an independent when it was fashionable. I've been this way for a while. And I'll tell you this. We can't vilify people because they're a Republican or they're a Democrat. This isn't about being liberal or conservative. This is our family. You are my family. I cry over you because you're my family. And when this happened, I was angry because in my family's town, where my younger brothers and sisters are getting ready to go to school, injustice was reigning. But you know what? 
I care that Heather passed away. I care about that young boy, 20 years old, left his mama's house. She moved from Kentucky to Ohio for a better job. She didn't even know where her little boy was going. Now, I know if you're 20 years old, I'm not trying to call you a little boy, but I'm, I'm, I'm 42 years old. I'm old enough to be your father. Because sadly, I wasn't a Christian at 18, so I, I did things that I could have been your father. I, 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 I can't imagine what that mother's going through. And I, I've spent 24 years working with 20-year-old men. 20-year-old men make bad decisions. And that boy, for the rest of his life, will have everybody all around the world has seen his face and he'll have to deal with that label. And we need to pray that in the belly of a, a jail that he comes to know God. Amen. And we need to be ready to love him and forgive him if he's our brother to be there for him. And if he's not our brother, to still care about him and pray for him because he's still alive even though Heather's passed away. Christians have the capacity to do what non-Christians cannot do. Forgiveness is the disposition of the strong, not the weak. Reconciliation takes faith. You can't reconcile if you live in fear. But as Christians, we've got to be able to do that. Jonah couldn't do that. Jonah saw the Ninevites repent. I just want to be clear. Jeremiah spent 40 years preaching. And you know what? Nobody repented. Jonah spent three days preaching. Everybody repented. The most successful minister in the history of the world. Of every Old Testament prophet, he's the most successful. But after he helped all these people to repent, he he didn't repent himself. He hated them. Listen to what he said. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. And he prayed in his prayer, he says, Oh Lord, is this not why I said I I would stay at home? That is why I was not so quick. That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you're gracious and compassionate God. Slow to anger and abounding with love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. It is not better for us to die than to live. Every white supremacist needs to come to know Jesus before he returns. Who's going to reach them? Everybody that stands in opposition to righteousness, not just among white supremacists or racists, everyone that's given in to immorality and impurity, greed and wickedness, selfishness and anger and hatred, every sin that's corrupted our world, that's why you're on campus. It's not to grow the Charlottesville church. That's why you're in your community and at your job and in your neighborhood. We've got to get past the idea that it has something to do with growing the church. And understand it's about God's children. But Jonah couldn't get past his prejudice. He still hated the Ninevites. But I love what God did with Jonah. I want you to listen to God's heart. God, he just just turns the knife on us, doesn't he? God replied, have you any right to be angry? I'll be honest with you. My first response to everything that happened was anger. It was. Just so you know, if you know me, that's my first response to everything. I only have two emotions, anger and love. Tasha taught me love after, you know, Jesus taught me love and Tasha's been working on me. When I'm tired, I'm angry. When I'm sleepy, I'm angry. 
When I'm driving, I'm angry. I'm always working through my heart. I'm just letting you know. That was my first response. Have you any right to be angry? You may not want me to ask you that question because you're here in Charlottesville. Do you have any right to be angry? I'm not saying you don't feel it. But are we willing to see the world as it is, as God sees it? You know, I prayed to God several months ago to have God's heart. It was the worst decision I ever made. It's been rough. God's been exposing my character. Helping me to see how I need to really love. Jonah went down, sat down at the place east of the city, angry at God, angry that the Ninevites repented, angry that he was successful in the ministry, angry that his Bible talk was growing too fast. Just angry. And he made himself a shelter and he he sat in the shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. They had already repented. What was going to happen to the city? He's like, maybe God might change his mind and destroy it. I don't know what that was. You got to think of how much animosity he had and why God chose to record this. And the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah and give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. Some of us, we love our easy boy chairs. Love that mint julep tea. You, got, you live here in Charlottesville, the surrounding areas. You, you got land. I live in Woodbridge, boy. We got roads. Gosh, I love, love where I'm at. He's happy. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm and chewed on the vine so that it withered. And the sun rose and God provided a scorching east wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said, it's better for me to die than to live. Jonah's very emotional. (laughs) Very emotional. Very angry fella. But God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? I do. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. Many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Let me just say this. We have got to pray for the president and his family. We've got to pray for the governor and his family. We've got to pray for the mayor and his family. We've got to pray for these college students that are coming in to the respective colleges. We've got to pray for our communities. We've got to recognize that we live in a world where most people do not know their right from their left. I know we have issues in this church. I talked to Drew and Jenny about some of the challenges. I know we're not a perfect church, but at some point somebody can pick up the phone and you can talk to somebody. You know, there are a lot of people in our neighborhoods, they don't have anybody to talk to. They don't know what, how do they make sense of this? They're just watching the news in loops and getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Some people are, are, are going to stores and they're like, man, I, got, I have guns. I got to buy more because I got to protect myself. If it comes again, I got to be ready. And look, it's, I'm perfectly fine with you having a gun. Guns are great. All, uh, 75% of the congregation at Potomac Valley are active or retired military. We got a lot of guns in Potomac Valley. I have no problem with guns, but, but I do have a problem with Christians operating based on fear. Yeah. 
and acting as if there isn't a real God. Our strength is not in horses. Our strength is not in our firepower. Our strength is in God. And we've got to love as God loves. Turn over to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. It's God's heart that we have to have. When God looked at this situation, he saw it differently than we often see it. See, God has known what's in the hearts of every person that came to the respective rallies all along. He sees what's going on. And that's why he gave you the Holy Spirit for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. But as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. When you and I, when we followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit which is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature, following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were all by nature objects of wrath. Last night I studied the cross. About 11.30 last night we finished up the cross study. As a young couple got invited out to church last, they got married last December, got invited out to church about three months ago by one of the sisters there, Anna Bryant, Anna, Anna Jones, uh, Rashad Patrick Jones' wife. Come on, and uh, Anna was at work as a, as a sub and she was praying that she could reach another young, young married couple. And uh, she had the courage to share her faith with um, uh, you know, with Josh, with Taylor and Taylor and Josh, they've been coming out to church. You know, Josh grew up very religious and Taylor grew up quite religious as well. She grew up Presbyterian and they've been coming out to church for a while. And they've been watching baptism after baptism. Taylor and Josh came up to me right at the beginning of the summer and they said, I just want to know how can we be a member of this church? What do you all teach? And I said, let's get together and sit down and talk about it. And we sat down for about two hours and they, uh, they asked questions about baptism, and I explained what we teach about baptism. They talked about the communion, and they didn't agree with our position on baptism. So I, I don't know that I agree with that, but I really love the church, and I love all the love. And we're like, great, let's keep on studying the Bible. So we've been studying the Bible. Up until this past Sunday, we got together, Rashad and, and or Patrick and Anna, uh, Josh and, and Taylor, myself and Tasha, and we're studying the Bible. We're doing, going through discipleship. They've been traveling over the summer. Taylor said, you know, I've just been really convicted. I asked all my friends all around the country, I've been calling them, ask them what they think about baptism. And every time I read the scriptures about baptism, my heart burns within me. I, it doesn't agree with how I grew up, because I grew up Presbyterian and I was baptized as a baby. But as I read the scriptures, I see that I need to get baptized. Amen. Can you guys say the Bible with me so I can get baptized? And Josh was just there, like, wow, my wife wants to get baptized. <laughs> We're like, all right, that's fine. I said, you know, one of the things we got to understand is the call of discipleship. We got to understand the way of the cross. Last night, we're studying the Bible. We're studying about the cross. 11.30 last night, Josh and Taylor, with tears in their eyes, said, thank you so much for staying up with us to study the Bible. Wow. I haven't been able to get their face out of my mind. We all used to live disconnected from relationship with God. And I, I'm, for a second here, I just want to talk to just the Christians. All of you, you said, believe, you repented, you got baptized, you got the Holy Spirit within you. We just got to stop and realize that's... Sometimes we get so angry with people, we don't realize that they're enslaved to sin. 
we get ourselves entangled in sin, even though we have the Holy Spirit. Imagine if you didn't have the Holy Spirit. You didn't have a family group or a Bible talk to talk to. Let's be careful that we're not quick to judge, but we're quick to bring salvation. Now, that's very different from pointing out what's right and wrong. Right and wrong is not unclear here. It is wrong to act in violence towards your neighbor. It is wrong to say the things that were said. The, the position that the, the, the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis and the Ku Klux Klan took was wrong. There's no question about that wrong. But how are we going to respond? I want you to stop for a second and ask yourself the question I believe God is asking all of us. Are you going to love them as I do? Verse 4. Because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. For it is by grace that you are saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not by works so that no one can boast. Verse 10 is what I want to share with you. For all of us, Charlottesville Church, Potomac Valley Church, all the men and women that will stand and walk with Jesus through all ages and in this age. For it is God, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. This fall, what are you going to be about? Are you going to be stuck on your TV screen? Are you going to open up your Bible and open up the Bible with your neighbor? Now, I appreciate what Martin Luther King said. He said, our scientific power has outrun our spiritual power. We have guided missiles and misguided men. There are a lot of 20-year-old young men and young women, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22-year-old young men and young women that are coming to campus and they have lots of different views. And college campuses are rich with opinion and there are people that would take a hold of their formative minds and try to wield them for their own reason. Will you bring them to Christ? Not try to manipulate them to join your group, but call them to love Jesus and to know God. Are we going to put our confidence in our physical power, our scientific power, our military power, or in God's power. My confidence is in God's power. I want to encourage you what Abraham Lincoln said, and I love Lincoln. Last week I watched Lincoln again, the, the movie Lincoln again. And I, I, I thought about the incredible sacrifices that it's taken for us to even be here. I appreciate the men are going to Gettysburg. It's taken a lot for us to get to where we are. And look, we're not where we need to be. We're just not. And we're not where we need to be because of sin in the hearts of men. But how are you going to respond? Lincoln says this in his second address. With malice towards none and with charity for all. With firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right. Let us strive on to finish the work we're in and bind up the nation's wounds. I am more resolved than ever. To support you in any way that I can. I got to tell you, I'm so excited that there are five interns that are going to be working on our campuses. 
If ever there was a time we needed five interns, this would be the fall. So excited that God's been bringing people from other cities to come here to help build. God's answering the prayer of workers. Grateful for the grubs. They've been welcoming everybody in Potomac Valley to come stay at their house. And I told everybody on Sunday, if you were thinking about moving to Charlottesville, now's a good time. I did say that. You can watch the tape. Because it's not about... It's not about us having people in the church that we're in. It's about us being what we need to be for each other. Don't let malice control your heart. If you're angry, it's okay. Talk about it. Work through it. If you hate injustice, God hates it too. If you hate double-minded men, that's okay. God hates double-minded men. But realize that justice comes by the men and women of God stepping up. And bringing justice into the world. The world can't do this. And I say this with all respect for all the elected officials. I'm not waiting for the government to fix our problems. I appreciate the statements that they are making. But I know they can't. God bless them. I mean, roads are good. Please fix them, you know. But you can't fix. If If you take an honest look. At the lives of the people that we're looking to, to solve the problems, you got to know they're, they're struggling with problems themselves. And if we take an honest look at ourselves, we know we're struggling with problems too. So we're not in a position to judge them, nor should we look to them for confidence. We should look to God for confidence and the Holy Spirit to guide us. Consider what it says in the book of Corinthians. Turn over here with me, if you will. Drew, am I okay on time? About five more minutes? Okay, you sure? You can tell me. Okay, amen. I just want to make sure I'm, you know, can't be coming in and preaching long. Preacher won't invite you back. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter, chapter 3. I think one of the things that we miss as Christians is like Jonah, we let the past dictate our present and shape our future instead of letting the Holy Spirit guide us. Verse 7, it says, Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, which is engraved in letters of stone, came with glory, so the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? For if the ministry that condemned men was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Do you realize that's what we do? You know who can fix Charlottesville? Jesus. You know what Jesus' plan is to save Charlottesville? Get all the people that decided they're going to follow him and work from the inside to transform them. So they can bring that light and love into the world. You know, there are a lot of people on campus that are looking for God. There are a lot of people on campus that really do love God. And there are a lot of people on campus that don't know God. And the destiny of whole nations will be shaped by some of the choices that they make. There are a lot of people in our communities that they love God too. They want to do what's right. Just like we want to do what's right. 
But too often we depend on human effort instead of relying on the Spirit of God. It says, if that ministry was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Verse 10, for what was glorious has no glory in comparison to the surpassing glory. For it was, if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. I'm telling you, now is the time. Everything has brought you to this moment. God has revealed to Charlottesville its need for him. You got to be bold. You don't have to be fake. If you're angry, be honest, but say, I find hope in God. If you're fearful, be honest, but say, I find courage in God. I will walk with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be bold. See, we're not like Moses who had to put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at his radiance, fading though it was. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here's what I'm learning about God as I'm walking with Him. I just want to tell you what I'm learning. Every single day, I can be stronger and greater. I'm getting older, but I'm more zealous now than I was 24 years ago. I am. Not because of my own strength, but because what I'm realizing is that as Christians, we often live like we're Israelites. We're following the rules, but we're not walking in step with the Spirit. Trusting God. When the Spirit tells you, man, share your faith, answer that call. When the Spirit convicts you, you need to forgive. Forgive. Let go. See, when you have a quiet time, you feel fired up. You're like, no, I'm spiritual. My mind is filled with knowledge. I know the Hebrew and the Greek. That's not it. When you were an enemy of God, he died for you. When you were at your worst, you went to that water of baptism. You didn't know anything. But the spirit of God was within you. You relied on God. Therefore, chapter 4. Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we don't lose heart. Look, guys, don't lose heart. Rather, we renounce secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The lower G God of this age, the one who is blinding the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves. Don't, don't preach about the Blue Ridge Church, how awesome it is. That's just the name. Preach about Jesus, and how he's moving through the Blue Ridge Church. And how no matter where you come from, we're family. And how we don't have everything figured out. We're a messed up group of people. But Jesus works with messes all the time. And messed up people right here in Charlottesville and in Harrisonburg and in Woodbridge and Stafford and all the places where they're Christians. 
God works through us all the time. Amen. Don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ as Lord and ourselves as his servants for Jesus' sake. For God has said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. I'm really sorry for what has happened. And it breaks my heart. The probability is that worse things are going to happen in America. Because of the darkness that's in people's hearts. But my hope is not that bad people will stop doing bad things. But that good people, people filled with the spirit of God will wake up. And decide, we're going to shine. Because you know what? The light, it shines brightest in the darkness. This is your opportunity. This is your golden moment. If you haven't had a quiet time this week, tonight's a good time to start. You're going to need to have one tomorrow and the day after that. Drew's an awesome preacher. He is. But he's not the only minister in Blue Ridge. You're all ministers of reconciliation. And the world needs to be reconciled. Reconciliation is not about the color of your skin. It's not even about the content of your character. Reconciliation is about the presence of God within us that allows us to reconcile with each other because of Christ. Jonah's story is an interesting one. I love what God does because God used Jonah to record this story, never told us about Jonah's response, took Jonah out of the way so that we wouldn't focus on whether he responded right or wrong. But we only focused on one thing, God's heart. What's God's heart? God's heart is for every one of his children to be reconciled. First John chapter 4 verse 4 says, The one who is in us is greater than the one who's in the world. John 13, 34 says, How do people know that we're disciples? By our love. Not some soft, ethereal, everybody kumbaya love. When everything's messed up and people are angry and hurting and sad and it's nasty and it's bloody and there are tears that we can love each other. I'm not afraid for the church. I'm concerned about our country. Honest to goodness. And I'm not just concerned about our country. I'm concerned about the world. But I want to call us as the church. Let's have the conversations we need to have. If, If you want to talk with me in any way, me and my wife, you can feel free to reach out. You know, you can reach out to the elders in Potomac Valley if we can help. But we have each other right here. You can talk to each other. We work through stuff. You don't have to be black to understand what black people go through. But if you're not black, you might not understand all of what black people go through. And you don't have to be white to understand what white people go through. But if you're not white, you might not understand exactly all of what people go through. And sometimes people won't understand everything. The proverb says some people, you know, no one can share your joy and your pain. There, there's some things it's hard to work through and make sense of. But you know who can always understand? is God. And you know where we can have confidence that there will be justice? In God. But in this world, we will have trouble. But Jesus says, take heart. 
I've overcome the world. That is not a nice bumper sticker statement. That's just the reality of what we've got to face. I don't know what comes next. What I do know is what's within us is greater than anything that's outside of us. And how we respond right now speaks to who we put our confidence in. Me and my house, put my confidence in God. Me, I'm having my quiet time every day. I love you. I love your family. Please pray for me. Pray for my family. I've got to raise a 14-year-old young black man and a 9-year-old beautiful little black girl. And I've got to take care of my little brother who's a grown man and be there for a young white man and pray for all the things that he's making sense of. He's a journalist and a lawyer and has all sorts of difficult opinions that I've got to work through because he's my baby brother. But you're my brother and my sister too. And as your brother, I just want to let you know it's okay that we're struggling, but we got to be light. Please let me pray for you. God, I love this church. I've only been here a few times, but I love this church. It's me and Chris were driving into this city. It's such a beautiful city. Just a great American city. Just an amazing city, God. So many beautiful campuses and people and food. I got to have canes today. It was just the best. We don't have canes where I live, and you know how much I love canes, and I'm just really grateful for that. God, I, I just i am so grateful for this city, and my heart breaks for the pain that people have gone through. God, my heart breaks for the darkness that's in the hearts of so many men and women who find themselves wrestling with such fear and anger and giving in to that fear and anger. And God, I pray that you can allow us to be what you've made us to be, to be light. There's so many students that will come on campus disillusioned, so many of them that will get caught up in the paralysis of analysis, discussing this in a classroom, not knowing how to make sense of it in the real world. And God, I pray we can share the gospel with them. Not Christian doctrine, but the power of Jesus transforming the lives of people. And we can show them the love of God. And we can show them the kingdom of God. And in the midst of that, God, I pray that we can raise our families. And I thank you for all the families that are here raising their families. And I know some of them feel fear and insecurity and doubt. And and some of them just don't even feel anything. They're, They're not even sure what they feel about what's going on. But wherever we find ourselves today, you know where we are. And I pray you can help us to lose our judgment of others. But use good judgment about the time that we're in. Good judgment to know that the days are evil and our time is short. Good judgment to know that it's time for us to love like never before. Good judgment to know that we've got to deal with this stuff in our hearts. Good judgment to know that we were once slaves to our evil desires. And so in the same way, we need to bring salvation to people. And I pray that in this place and with this church, that we will see a change like never before.
a change like we saw in Nineveh. Or among those who were most against you, such a transformation was recorded that even Jesus referenced it. and said that's the example of what repentance should look like. Even the Ninevites repented. God, I do pray for the young man that drove his car to the group of folks that caused so much pain, all the folks that were injured, and for Heather and her family. And I pray for that young man that he can find you. And I pray that we'll all pray for him. He's still alive. And while there's life, there's hope. I pray for the families who lost those two amazing law enforcement officers who passed away. I pray you can bring peace to those families. I pray for Drew and Jenny as they're leading the church here. Wonderful young couple, God. Willing to step in the gap as singles, as an engaged couple, as a young married couple. Bless their young marriage as they serve the church here. Be with all the leaders that are here. Bless these interns, five interns. No other church I can think of of this size ever had five interns. I thank you, God, for the sacrifice of the disciples here to give for missions. God, so that that could be a a reality. I pray, God, the interns will have clear minds. They won't get caught up in the paralysis of analysis or in arguments about doctrine. But they'll just love people and help many people to be saved and lead the campus students at JMU and at UVA to come to salvation. Mm -hmm. I pray in our neighborhoods with our friends when we take our kids back to school and we go back to our jobs that God, we are light. For your light shines the brightest in the darkness. Thank you for showing us the darkness so that we could realize that it's time for us to stop putting our light under a bowl and raise it to the highest place and help this church to be very bold. I pray all these things with incredible confidence and with the deepest love and conviction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.